This is the Dynasty Download Podcast. Welcome back to the Dynasty Download. I'm Tom Duncan. 2018 champ, Ethan Hamilton. And uh, we are looking forward to week two of the 2020 season right now and trying to get you ready here on a Saturday morning for your uh, Sunday lineup. So uh, if you're listening to this before Sunday, maybe Monday night, um, we'll try and carry you through with any inv- or injury information, although um, there are better sources than us. But the other thing is, is trying to give you the best analysis we can to um, figure out who to put in your lineups. Uh, just to round off, uh, I'd like to repeat, um, please, if uh, you're a regular listener of ours, uh, we would appreciate if you would share the show uh, on any of your social media platforms, um, Twitter, LinkedIn, um, Facebook, Instagram, um, even some of the lesser ones. Um, but uh, we would appreciate your uh, following and uh, maybe getting a, a bigger listener base uh, so that we can continue to kind of grow the show as we go along. Uh, we're still in kind of our infancy. This is the first uh, set of weeks that we're actually doing a season show. We've been mostly uh, in the off season so far, so we would appreciate any of that or any feedback you may have. Uh, you can write to us at the dynasty download 10 or excuse me, dynasty download 10 at gmail.com. I don't want to put the the in there and confuse people, but dynasty download 10 at gmail.com. Send us a question. Um, tell us we're idiots. Um, pick a fight with us. One of those is uh, definitely encouraged. Um, but uh, like I said, we're uh, planning on to having these regularly at least two times per week uh, as we go along. And um, we don't have any great listener roundup, but we do have a couple of trade valuations to kind of go through to top off the show. So this morning, uh, as I'm drinking my uh, morning coffee, as I want to do on Saturdays, and kind of getting ready um, for the college slate on a Saturday morning, uh, I got a question from a member of our league. Uh, I am a Cortland Sutton owner. He is currently out, or at least was out Monday night. They're very optimistic about him potentially playing against Pittsburgh this weekend. Uh, I am not so much because I think, uh, if I remember right, going back to my history with AC joint injuries, which is a shoulder injury, it's basically the um, joint that holds uh, the shoulder together uh, with uh, like the collarbone area type of thing. And uh, uh, Sam Bradford had one at Oklahoma in, I think, uh, early 2006, 2007, something like that, Um, was out for multiple weeks, usually three to four Um, Now, that was to his throwing shoulder, and I don't know what it's going to be, but for a wide receiver, you definitely need a large catch radius, so I don't know how he's going to be back this week or even necessarily next week and be effective, but what do you think right now the uh, valuation is of Cortland Sutton? A lot of people had him kind of in that 30s round overall, all positions, uh, kind of going into the draft. That was kind of his ADP stock. Um, kind of a wide receiver two, maybe uh, low end wide receiver two with some upside type of uh, situation due to the offense that he was in and being in his second year with Drew Locke. But where do you see him currently as far as value? I feel like he's somebody that you need to have and need to be patient with and hold on to. I know um, when you drafted him, I think you took him like a couple spots before I was about to pick again, and he was the one that was up on my board. So um, I may be showing a 
bias just as much as you did because I've been a fan of his since day one, but you got to hold on to him. I feel like Drew Locke is a competent quarterback, and um, Cortland Sutton is for sure a part of their plans for the, for the future. So he's a guy that I really liked out of college. Um, he was a guy I had on a couple of different college fantasy teams, um, and it's another guy that after his rookie year I selected in the second round, I think, last year or maybe the third round, kind of like I did with Paris Campbell this year. And he kind of took off in that mid-second year, especially after Emmanuel Sanders left. Uh, I think he has the potential to still be their number one, uh, especially if that offense gets going under Drew Locke. I think I would be selling low on him right now because everybody has kind of talked in the offseason. A lot of buzz has been around Jerry Judy being a a great wide receiver, especially out of the slot uh, that they drafted K.J. Hamler. They still have... um, the uh, or Deshaun Hamilton and Noah Fant, you know, obviously had a great week one. He's been a big um, surger as far as uh, pass catchers out of that offense. I, I wonder if people are forgetting how good Cortland Sutton can be and the fact that he didn't have a great last half of the year with Drew Locke. Uh, I'm wondering that if the valuation right now is low enough that people are in the buy low mode and thus I'd be in selling low. And I hate, it's like the people that try and get out of the stock market once uh, a particular stock starts to dip. You you don't want to sell low. Um, So my inclination is to hold on to him. Now the specific trade I've been offered at the moment is either a fourth round pick for him, which I think is extraordinarily low. I think at worst, he's worth a second round pick in a rookie dynasty rookie draft. Um, he said he would have offered a third round pick, but he gave that to you in the Noah Fant deal. <laughs> and uh, so you already know who we're talking about, but or Cortland Sutton for Devontae Parker. Now that's a little bit more intriguing where... I could see it, but Devontae Parker to me, now, is this the Devontae Parker that we got at the end of last season? Then that could be fascinating, but he came out week one. Um, We didn't see a great uh, Dolphin offense. Now, given they uh, were playing that vaunted uh, Patriots secondary, so I don't think anybody's going to look particularly good against them, at least to open the year. Uh, And so, but he also got hurt and might be out for a couple of weeks as well as... uh, Cortland Sutton. So my inclination is to kind of stand pat unless I get a a very big offer, which right now I have not gotten. Um, So again, I think this is to encourage the listener that if you have a player um, that is, especially on the younger side, kind of maybe stay the course a little bit and see where they pan out. Um, for, I'm trying to think of what, what's a good, a couple of, uh, other examples of, um, maybe not necessarily rookie running backs, but like second year, third year wide receivers that you kind of need to just, uh, hold on to right now and see where they, they end up because, I mean, we've already seen it. Um, and it's going to be somebody that comes up here, uh, momentarily, um, Devante Parker kind of broke out in his like third or fourth year. Um, Calvin Ridley is starting to really push forward. I think this is his third year. Uh, DJ Moore pushed forward in his second year. I mean, a lot of these guys, these wide receivers, if you get them in their second or third year, that's, that's kind of the thing you need to hold on to them and see how they develop. Chris Godwin, you know, I think he broke out like his third year. Maybe it was what it was, but it could be. Um, yeah. 
I remember having a conversation with you about it. I was trying to include him in some trade talks and you're like, well, I don't think, um, cause he hadn't shown anything yet, but I, I, I trusted what I saw when I was watching his tape and everything like that. I knew he was a playmaker. Um, so I held on to him and I'm really glad I did, but I mean, I feel like Cortland Sutton has not that type of potential where he's, you know, I don't feel like he's going to be, uh, a top five wide receiver in this league. And I'm not even saying that Chris Godwin is one of those either. Um, I do think Jerry Judy takes over the number one role by the end of this year, if not the beginning of next year, because I think Jerry Judy is just that good. But that's not to say that this Broncos offense can't have two really good um, fantasy relevant wide receivers. Um, So I would stick, I would stick with Cortland Sutton personally. I'm not huge on Devontae Parker. I'm not, I, I don't see it. And I'm the inconsistency of him really frustrates the hell out of me. I'm encouraged if I'm an owner of him uh, that he had a good second half of last year. I'm discouraged by his early injury history here this this season. And realistically, before I'd ever try and buy any stock on him, if I'm not a current owner, I think I'd want to see it again. That that, that's basically my take on it. Uh, Unless you're going to buy low on him, which I don't think any owner is going to let you do. Um, it's it's a wait-and-see type of approach as far as him individually on his valuation. So another trade that we discussed last week in our preview episode that, um, just to kind of give the update, uh, Brandon Ayuk from the 49ers did not play last week. Uh, the 49ers are really banged up at wide receiver. Um, Debo Samuel, who we thought might play week one, is apparently out at minimum three weeks uh, with a recovering from his foot injury. I think they put him on IR um, just for the three-week designation. But Ayuk is supposed to play this week. The offer I had on the table was for Jordan Howard, who I think had three carries for eight total yards and one touchdown uh, against um, the Patriots on Sunday. Um, he has since been dropped this morning by Ed uh, in favor of picking up, said Drew Locke. Uh, I just, this is one where uh, had I made it, I would have been really regretful. Uh, and this is why I wanted to see a couple of the games, especially when we don't have preseason to work with, where you can make more informed decisions. So uh, finally, our other favorite trade valuation topic. I'd like to see where your head's at as far as Cam Akers right now. Cam, I I want to know how you feel about Cam Akers right now. So I'm encouraged by the amount of work he got. Um, although they did give a couple of carries to Jarrell Henderson Jr. And it's one, I think that three-week period where you could really see how that Rams running game molds in, I don't think this is a particularly good matchup for them this weekend. That Eagles defense has a really good front seven, and they're um, really menacing against uh, rushing teams. So I don't think any of those backs are going to be having a, a particularly good day. So I'm not going to read too much into this weekend's game. I guess uh, I don't know what the Rams' schedule is going forward. Um, I don't know who their week three opponent is. I suppose I can look that up here. The uh, Rams play Buffalo at Buffalo on or in week three. Uh, that's also not a great matchup. So I, I don't know, honestly, where I'm going to be sitting on, on Cam. I do like... Um, the fact that he was in, he got some passing game work a little bit, but I think he's a work in progress and that's what you could expect a little bit out of a guy who had no preseason that they had very limited workouts. Um, 
I'm actually kind of surprised how uh, effective like Jonathan Taylor and CEH were last weekend already. And, you know, Dobbins was getting um, some goal line work already. So Akers, he's still a high ceiling prospect, but, uh, and I, I don't want to quit on him. I'm certainly not discouraged by the, the rate of usage. It's just one of those where, I haven't seen it yet, so it doesn't give me um, great warm feelings yet that he could really be that guy quite yet. So uh, (laughs) let's move into Thursday night's game. The Cleveland Browns win at the Cincinnati Bengals 35-30. Joe Burrow ends up uh, with more passing yards than Baker Mayfield, but the Cleveland Brown offense looks a whole lot better than the Bengals offense. I am encouraged by how well Joe Burrow, even though in two losses, has been competitive, has kind of been a warrior. He ends up throwing over 50 passes in this game, targeting A.J. Green 13 times. Um, The leading receiver for the Bengals happened to be Tyler Boyd. And so I think some of those things, if they get ironed out, uh, you like the fact that uh, they have Auden Tate, they have Alex Erickson, but they really, they have three pretty good guys after that in uh, T. Higgins, who was part of the game plan and and did quite a few things. Um, uh, They uh, got the ball to Joe Mixon at least uh, four times in the opening quarter as far as receptions, uh, A.J. Green and Tyler Boyd. Um, Yeah, let's talk about the Bengals for a second. Um, Joe Burrow, my goodness, Captain Cool, you feel like when you watch him play that he's been playing in the NFL for his entire life. Um, Just the way he commands the huddle, uh, you can tell that he's a leader. And I'm not surprised that he's got the C patch on his jersey as a rookie. Um, I started him on week two. I I, oh, you I did. just had a feeling. Yeah, I did. I I, I sat Carson Wentz because his offensive line is a joke. And Joe Burrows isn't much better. But I liked what I saw week one. And he was playing the Browns. So I'm like, why the hell not? Uh, he got me like 30 points. And so, um, and I remember, if you remember correctly, me talking after the arch. I took Joe Burrow out of, not because I wanted him, just because I thought he was the best player available at that time. And um, I'm really starting to be happy with that decision that I made. Um, But then let's go into A.J. Green. 13 targets, but does he look old? I don't know if it's just he's not conditioned yet because there was no training camp or anything like that. Um, But he looks kind of like a shell of himself. But maybe they have a plan for him because they keep feeding him the ball. I'm encouraged by the targets. Not by the receptions, and I think some of that is a, a timing issue and um, a practice issue, which could get ironed out. I still think A.J. Green's effective, but it's like uh, a guy at the end of their career um, that doesn't have the their A gear left or their number one gear, and so his speed is clearly gone. He's had too many leg injuries, foot injuries, ankle injuries over the last couple of years to ha- retain that level of speed. But can he be a big-bodied wide receiver that can um, get a lot of goal line work, uh, red zone work, um, middle of the field work? Can he make that transition that like Larry Fitzgerald did a couple of years ago to be a more effective wide receiver in that particular regard? I think he can if they use him correctly. Um, I still think if you're looking for possession receivers, um, I'd be more encouraged by Tyler Boyd. But um, Joe Burrow ended up uh, highlighting a unknown tight end. So 
So Burrow may be very tight end friendly, and if they ever draft a guy that's you know worth anything uh, going forward in that, that may be a potential sleeper in the next couple of years. I really like Joe Burrow. Um, I thought even though you drafted him, you weren't encouraged by it. It was a guy I was potentially looking at if he dropped a little bit further. Um, at the two slots I had in the second round, I think you took him in the second round. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. I would I would have really seriously given him consideration in the third round this year, um, particularly because I thought he was going to have a, a, at least a little bit of rushing quality, which he already has. He had a rushing touchdown week one. He had a little bit of rushing in this game, which keeps the floor a little bit higher. And I think if they ever figure out this offense with the amount of guys that they have, that he could be very valuable. Uh, the fact that he got you 30 points. Uh, I'm a little surprised that you pulled the trigger, but it was a good call by you because honestly, um, you know, I think Carson Wentz could do a lot of things this year. Uh, but right now with his offensive line in such a, a flux with so many injuries and the rest of it, and we, it looks encouraging that Lane Johnson, their right tackle is going to be uh, available for week two. But against a um, defense like that, uh, this week where um, they're playing the Rams and Aaron Donald, uh, do you really want to chance it? So I, I think that was an encouraging call. Also, Joe Burrow this year, if you're thinking about potentially starting him as a spot starter, he's going to have a lot of garbage time. I mean, he threw over 50 passes in this game out of necessity. Like that defense is terrible, especially right now where Geno Atkins uh, and um, uh, former Packer and Lion Mike Daniels were out for this game. And they were able to run and throw and do play action. You have to imagine that Joe Burrow is going to be doing into a lot of soft coverages because it's late in the game and getting a lot of garbage time points. He had 316 yards in this game, three passing touchdowns. He lost one fumble, but still, uh, I think there's a lot of room where he could uh, crack the top 10 weekly. Um, and for the season, maybe be in the top 15, not, not maybe, probably will be in the top 15. I mean, there are a lot of talented guys ahead of him, but that's not a bad option to have uh, as your backup. All right, so uh, let's move over to the Brown side of things. Uh, as a guy who holds uh, stock in Odell Beckham Jr., uh, who holds stock in Kareem Hunt in two leagues, and uh, drafted Nick Chubb with his second overall or second round pick uh, in his redraft league. I was encouraged after what was a absolutely horrible week one um, for most of the Browns players. Odell Beckham was targeted 10 times, only caught three passes for 22 yards. Um, and the fact that uh, Kareem Hunt out, uh, rushed uh, Nick Chubb, the fact that both of them had a significant amount of carries. Now, uh, granted, Kareem Hunt's were mostly in the fourth quarter when they were basically sitting Nick Chubb and they were trying to basically sit on the ball. But Kareem Hunt had two touchdowns, uh, Odell Beckham had one touchdown, and Nick Chubb had two touchdowns and over 100 yards rushing. Um, a great statistical output. And the less you ask of Baker Mayfield to win you the game, probably the better for the Browns. Um, the fact that Kevin Stefanski, who comes from that Vikings offense, um, is willing to give his running backs the ball and basically only ask things of his quarterback that are in play action is probably the formula to win for this team because, uh, frankly put, Baker Mayfield is probably a lesser version of Kirk Cousins right now. Yeah, I would say that. I would if you have those running backs, you run the freaking run the freaking football. 
You run it, you run it, you run it, you run it. Um, if you can get through a game with Baker Mayfield throwing the ball under 20 times a game, I feel like as the Browns, you're going to be in a really good spot. Um, I don't know if that's what you want to hear for OBJ, but... Well, can he be effective with limited amounts of receptions? He is a big play wide receiver waiting to happen. We saw that the other night. They had a rollout on a, a naked bootleg off of a play-action pass, hit him down the field for, I think, at least like a 40-yard touchdown. And that's kind of what you want to see out of him. Uh, he only had four catches but 74 yards in the touchdown, um, making it for um, roughly about uh, – didn't have my lineup up 18.4 total fantasy points in our league now it's a half point PPR so he may have uh, better in um, regular PPR formats but um, again Kareem Hunt had over 20 points Nick Chubb had over 20 points for running backs that's a great return um, and I hope to see a little bit more as they kind of go along Um, the Browns end up having Washington next week which it scares me a little bit with that defensive front um, how effective they're going to be uh, again or running the football. But after that, they've got Dallas, they've got Indianapolis, they got Pittsburgh, which is challenging, Cincinnati, Las Vegas, Houston, Philadelphia, Jacksonville, Tennessee, Baltimore. And in those three um, playoff weeks, now they do start off with that Baltimore week in week 14, but uh, you've got the Giants and the Jets right in those prime spots. So you could be maximizing out in your uh, championship games or your semifinals uh, on Browns players. So this might be, it may not be the time right now, now to uh, buy low on them, but um, potentially encouraging signs. So, uh, all right, let's move forward. Uh, we'll hit uh, the Sunday noon games first. Uh, Lions at Packers, uh, basic overview for this one. Um, Kenny Galladay is out again. Uh, the Packers offensive line has some struggles. They have a few questionable players, um, but uh, mostly the offenses that were on the field week one are going to be the offenses that we get in week two. Um, where are you looking for in this game or things that you're um, thinking are going to happen? Um. Lions are six-point dogs. Personally, I feel like that's pretty generous. Um, I don't think this game is relatively close. Um, but you, for the Packers, you got, I feel, I mean, for the Lions, sorry. Um, Adrian Peterson, I feel like he's going to have a pretty decent game. He always does against the Packers. Um, and then you got to look at Danny Amendola, as well as uh, Marvin Jones. Remember, a couple years ago, Marvin Jones had a huge game against the Packers huge i mean i know the lions played us tough last year both both games i don't think we led for any of those games right i, I think we, we won but didn't um this one i don't think is relatively close i think aaron Rodgers goes off i think Devonte adams goes off again so the hi- uh, stat you're highlighting is is the packers were only the second team in nfl history to beat an opponent twice in the same year while not having led at any time during regulation they ended up winning the game on two field goals at the end of regulation as the gun sounded. Rodgers and Adams, I'm like, those are book it guys for me this week. Rodgers, I expect to have probably a big game at home, no crowd noise. Now, I know he particularly likes it in Lambeau because it gives him an advantage, so that's not a thing. I prefer if this one had actually been on the road because uh, he likes playing indoors, um, and especially with the no crowd noise, he could have probably been on a fast track where they could have really kept the offense rolling. Uh, I don't know if the Packers will start hot 
And I do expect this to be a little bit closer unless um, the turnover battle really goes to one side or the other. Um, that could really change the dynamic of the game. But I don't think, uh, particularly given that the Lions' secondary wasn't threatening to begin with, and they have multiple guys out in their secondary, uh, they are going to get, I think, the debut of their uh, third overall pick from the draft this year, Jeff Okuda out of uh, Ohio State. But it's another rookie that Aaron can pick on, and you, you know a veteran quarterback is going to just knife them apart. Uh, as far as that, I look for the Packers offense to have a relatively good game. I don't know if it'll be as effective as against Minnesota now that they have some stuff on tape, but that's just where I'm at. One of the guys that uh, I thought to take a flyer on this week. So when we got the news, um, uh, I guess this isn't breaking or anything, but and we'll get to this in a later game. But George Kittle was out. Uh, I stashed him on my RR for the week and I picked up Quintus Cephas. Um, it's a guy who had a lot of targets last week. Um, could be worked into uh, the rate. I think it's a guy that um, is a little unheralded, kind of like Kenny Galladay was out of Northern Illinois. This, uh, you know, the Badger receivers have not been uh, particularly good since uh, Lee Evans and Chris Chambers. But it's a guy that um, if he gets a little bit of uh, ability, a little bit of opportunity here uh, early on, um, especially because I don't remember how long Marvin Jones's contract runs, but he could be a, an effective pickup and stash. It's just a guy I'm, I'm curious to see because I knew ahead of time, if I didn't pick him up now and he has a big game on Sunday, every single Packer fan is trying to pick him up on Tuesday. Uh, Adrian Peterson, I would also echo that, that he's a guy that um, he could very easily pick up, uh, you know, 80, 90, 100 yards in this game. I don't know... He has an opportunity to fall into the end zone. I still don't like the Packers running defense. But yeah, with Kenny Clark out. Well, well yeah, Clark especially. Out. This may I be think, a one where if games, game script may dictate that he's not on the field as much if the Lions get down. Yeah, if they keep it close, and I, I feel like if this game goes the way the Lions want it to go, I think you can safely book Adrian Peterson will have... 60 yards and a touchdown, 60 to 70 and a touchdown. Which is a good flex play for the week. So if you're you're feeling a little bit lucky, um, you're not as high on Green Bay blowing this one out, which, um, you know, a lot of the Lions-Packers games have been close uh, in the recent past. Um, maybe it's one that you could do a spot start. All right, let's move on to Vikings at Colts. Uh, my highlight for this one is points, points, and more points. Uh, the Vikings defense gave up a ton last week to Green Bay, as we just mentioned. The Colts ended up giving up 20-some uh, points uh, to the Jaguars last weekend. These are two offenses that uh, underproduced last weekend going against two defenses that um, didn't seemingly uh, play really well. I would expect um, Adam Thielen, T.Y. Hilton, Paris Campbell, Naheem Hines, Delvin Cook, um, maybe even Justin Jefferson um, and definitely Jonathan Taylor to all have big weeks. You know, that is music to my ear, music to my ears as a Delvin Cook and Jonathan Taylor owner. Um, and I will be starting both of them. Um, I agree with you. And I think Jonathan Taylor's case weekend, I think it's earlier than us, um, with the injury to Marlon Mack. Um, I never want to wish injury on somebody, but um, I think Jonathan Taylor, I think this will be his day that he takes over the backfield and never, never gives it back couple years to come wide receiver wise yeah i still paris campbell i like him over ty hilton this week and then adam thielen is going to get his just because he's the elder statesman in that um in that um 
uh, wide receiver core. Um, do we see a breakout game, not necessarily a breakout game, but a coming out party for Justin Jefferson this weekend? I think it's possible. I don't think both defenses play quite as badly as they did last week, but they didn't give me a whole lot of promise uh, moving forward to go on. So I, I really don't know. There's been a lot of talk of uh, Jonathan Taylor being a top 15 back, especially with how much he produced in the receiving game last week. I would say if he continues on that trajectory, um, he and Naheem Hines uh, could be to- or uh, you know decent plays going forward, um, particularly with Philip Rivers's um, check down frequency. Uh, the guy who was targeted the most deep last week, not just targeted on the team for the Colts, but targeted deep as well, was Paris Campbell. Now, I own both Thielen and Campbell, so I'm really hoping for that a lot this game. I have Paris Campbell starting in my other league um, as kind of a, a flyer guy because I sat uh, Terry McLaurin for this week uh, going against uh, Patrick Peterson. But it, it's one of those where let's see where these two offenses are at and if if our projections are right, because I, I think this game is ripe for um, constantly being on the red zone channel on Sunday. All right, so let's move to Broncos at Steelers. Uh, As much as we thought we were going to get points from the last game we talked about, uh, I think this one's going to be particularly low scoring. Um, Apparently, James Conner is practicing and is likely to play, which if you picked up Benny Snell this week um, is discouraging. Uh, I wouldn't be starting any Steelers running back right now until that entire situation sorts itself out. Um, if you miss one game, that's fine because the the floor on this is much lower than the potential ceiling at the moment. James Conner, for every game he started in the last two seasons, I don't think he's finished a game he started. I, I, that, I sincerely mean that. I, I don't, if from my memory serves me, I don't think he has um, started and finished an entire NFL game. So it's one where I'm not uh, high on. The one guy that might be a small bright spot um, because the Steelers, um, they shut out Evan Ingram last week, but I would be very interested to see how Noah Fant responds uh, going forward this week. And I can understandably, um, I'm not going to be discouraged if he has a bad week, but if he has a great week again, it's one of those where we may have a, a tight end fantasy stud on our hands. That I don't want to hear. Um, well, let's check back in on this one on you know next week after after everything's played out. But. <laughs> um, with Benny Snell, um, yeah, it's a little discouraging for this week, but we're in a dynasty league, so I think for the future, I think that's a good one because I don't know how many more years James Conner has left in him. Um, like to your point, he's always been hurt. He hasn't finished a lot of games, so I think Benny Snell might be their little running back of the future. So he's someone to hold on to. See if you can get uh, see if you can get something more for him down the road if you were looking to trade him. All right, let's go to Giants at Bears. Uh, are we going to get the good Trubisky or the bad Trubisky? We had three quarters of bad Trubisky followed by a really solid quarter of good Trubisky. Um, I, I guess that's where I'm going to look. Uh, Allen Robinson, even despite his contract disputes this week, uh, where he had Anthony Miller and Tariq Cohen and and others really speaking up for him. He's a guy who was producing for the first three quarters when we had bad Trubisky. So I would look for him to still have a pretty good game, particularly given how we saw uh, Pittsburgh adapt to the uh, Giants defense on uh, Monday night. Um, I think he could potentially have a big game. And then the question is, is, um, you know, Matt Stafford didn't have a terrible game. 
I think the Giants could actually produce some points. Maybe not a ton. Um, this may be, it's not going to probably be one of the highest scoring games of the week, but can the Giants get to 20 some points? Possibly. And so if there was a Giants wide receiver that you would start this weekend, um, I, we still don't know the status of uh, Golden Tate. Or I guess let's go Giants pass catchers. Um, are you starting uh, Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard, or Evan Ingram? I thought about starting Evan Ingram um, just because I don't really, the Bears defense isn't what it used to be a couple years ago. Those linebackers aren't what they used to be a couple years ago. Um, I think Evan Ingram has a pretty good game. I think he had a dud last year against the Steelers because you're right, the Steelers are that damn good. That being said, on the outside, I'd be starting uh, Sterling Shepard. I still think, I'm not sold on Slayton yet. I, I know he got a big target share um but i'm not sold on him yet give me a couple of weeks uh so i would probably agree <laughs> on sterling Shepard. i'm surprised a little bit we didn't see it last week um because i thought the giants defense or offense particularly against what i think might be one of the best defenses if not the best defense in the league in pittsburgh right now um i i thought they were uh, driving the ball a lot now not necessarily on the ground so i would look for saquon barkley to have a much bigger game uh, I'm also encouraged by uh, David Montgomery moving forward, so he could have a, a much bigger game, or he might be worthy of flex uh, option play this weekend. Um, but Darius Slayton, I, I will say, uh, he's a guy who leads the league in touchdowns since, or receiving touchdowns since week 11 of last season. He's a guy that's also uh, caught or has the most multiple touchdown games since the beginning of last season. So it's a guy that... Maybe he's a little bit more touchdown dependent, but he is a guy that I would definitely be stashing. He's not a guy you should be available in a whole lot of leagues. So I don't know if I feel great about starting him every week, but if you don't have too many other options, he's not a bad place to go. Falcons at Cowboys, I think this isn't going to be another huge points game. I don't see the Falcons defense might be one of the worst in the leagues. Um, the Cowboys defense, they just lost Leighton Vander Esch. Um, Byron Jones left to go to the Dolphins in the offseason. I don't think they're going to um, have a ton uh, of availability. The Falcons were putting up points um, on the regular last week. Now, most of it was in garbage time, but I would expect two huge games on the ground from both Zeke and Todd Gurley this week. Uh, I also think that there is going to be a lot of passing. This is another game where uh, I'm highlighting a lot of the offensive players moving forward. Uh, I think you can start just about as many as you'd like. Uh, I'd be starting Hayden Hurst. I might even give consideration to Russell Gage, uh, but Calvin Ridley is probably a must. Julio Jones, an absolute must. Um, unless you have a better option, Matt Ryan is going to have a great game. Uh, I would expect Dak Prescott to potentially have a great game. Um, Amari Cooper, the the one question mark I'll, I'll say is C.D. Lamb because, uh, you know, from what we saw last week, um, they were spreading around the ball a lot in the early three quarters, but he started to go to Amari Cooper a lot late. So we don't know how the distribution of targets and throws are going to be, but Blake Jarwin is now out for the season. So that's another guy off of the potential targets list. So if you're looking for the Cowboys to have a big comeback game, um, I would expect it to be this one, and you could see a, a ton of guys getting into the end zone. You're going to be playing on a fast field. There's going to be a lot of points, so if you got any of the Falcons or the Cowboys, I think you start them. Uh, Jaguars-Titans. Uh, Derrick Henry has absolutely carved up the Jaguars the last few times he's seen them. Um, at least 130 yards in both games. One of the games he topped over 200. 
don't see a reason that that would necessarily stop. You'd be very out on the ledge if you thought uh, the Titans weren't going to give him a lot of carries, as particularly because A.J. Brown is out for this week and maybe out for a couple more weeks. So is this another fuck Corey Davis game? I saw that you picked him up. Uh, you tell me. He'll never be on my team again. Let's just say that. They're going to throw a lot of play-action passes, but Derrick Henry is the guy that you want out of this game. I figure they're going to run the ball a lot, try and keep the Jaguars uh, off the field. I don't expect um, the uh, Jaguars to be in a a different situation from game script. uh, Unless Corey Davis makes it into the end zone, he's going to not see a ton of targets because they're not going to throw the ball a lot. I expect this to be a 20-plus carry game. Um, minimum for Derrick Henry, and he'll top out well over 100 yards as far as I'm concerned going into this one. So I think Corey Davis is going to get that just because they really don't have a ton of other options to throw the ball unless it's a Jonu Smith week. Am I starting him? No. Uh, He had one game. So this is a a wait and see. But, you know, if you felt good enough to stash Corey Davis as like I had an extra bench spot, why not throw him on the the, uh, pile heap at the bottom of my uh, bench? You know, why not? But this this is not one that I'm looking for other than Derrick Henry for really anybody to have any points going forward. Okay, Bills at Dolphins. Um, I see a lot of people highlighting the Bills offense that Josh Allen has had big games against the Dolphins, that uh, they're not quite there, that, um, you know, that I I think if the Bills are going to have a big game on offense, it's going to be in the running game this week. Uh, They spent a lot of money. They overspent on getting cornerbacks this year and uh, getting their secondary improved. You didn't really see a ton of passing by the Patriots last week, and that was out of necessity. I actually put uh, Josh Allen on my nay list this week because I think he's going to have a crappy game unless he's running the ball for 14 times again. So unless you're you're projecting that out and then his floor is going to be much higher, uh, I, I don't see the uh, Bills wide receivers having a huge game this week, and him having nearly the same game that he had against the Jets last week. I can agree with that. Um, I mostly focus on the running backs here. Um, None of the Dolphins running backs I really think too much of, but you do have Zach Moss and Devin Singletary on the other side. Um, I think Zach Moss just keeps building off of what he did on week one. And I think, you know, for anybody that has – Devlin Singletary, I, I think the addition of Zach Moss was shouldn't have been a welcome sign um, because I think that kid is a real deal. I think they're going to have a nice little um, committee. And um, I don't know if he takes over by the end of the year, but I like Zach Moss and I like what I saw week one. I think Zach Moss is likely to get the bigger lion's share of the carries. That isn't to say that Devin Singletary isn't going to have a, an effective role in this particular game, and I think he might. Uh, I just think if I'm starting one Bills running back this week, it's Zach Moss. I really would feel kind of queasy about starting Devin Singletary if I had him. And uh, as far as the Dolphins offense, if we get another uh, Fitz tragic game um, instead of a Fitz magic game, which is entirely possible because he gets into these weird streaks where he'll go on three or four weeks of, of the same. He'll either be terrible or he'll be great. But if that happens and we see that again this week, maybe next week, we may already be talking about a Tua sighting. 
So until that, I'm not starting a single Dolphins player. Uh, Preston Williams, Devontae Parker, who I, I'm not even sure if he's playing, Gasecki, any of the running backs out of the Dolphins right now, because who knows what the hell's going on with that. Um, but uh, it's one of those, if the only guys that I'm considering starting right now for this offense, uh, you're probably starting Stephon Diggs just out of necessity because of where you drafted him, especially in a redraft league, Zach Moss and Josh Allen. Now, if you have another competent um, potential starter, you know, uh, Matt Ryan or whatever, I probably would start them over Josh Allen this week. But if you drafted him to be your only quarterback and you followed my advice from earlier in the week that you should not be keeping two quarterbacks right now, given the um, availability of so many other guys that are effective in a streaming sense, uh, I would definitely not be playing Josh Allen. Uh, 49ers at Jets. Uh, no Jamison Crowder. No J- George Kittle for this game. Um, we uh, already said Debo Samuel's out for the 49ers. Uh, so Kendrick Bourne, uh, we may be getting some Brandon Ayuk, uh, but this is really a 49ers running game. So for my, uh, you know, I, I, I would strongly suggest uh, Raheem Mostert gets uh, a significant amount of work in this game. Now, I know a lot of his work last week came in that one big play in the passing game, but I think he has an even bigger game. The guy I'm looking at that may get an upsurge in work is Jarek McKinnon. It's a guy that flew a little bit under the radar, scored a touchdown last week, almost had a second, but it's a guy that if uh, you have a running back spot available, is a guy that hasn't come up a lot because they kind of um, or he flew under the radar last week. Uh, it's a guy I might think about picking up. Um, Frank Gore is going to be leading the Jets this week at, at running back. He's not a guy you're starting. I, I'm sorry. If you picked him up and you're spot starting him, you're nuts. Uh, the guy is just went over the um, mark for uh, most games started by a running back or most games played by a running back. The guy's 36. I, I really don't know what the, the Jets are going to be doing. And with Jamison Crowder out and uh, Denzel Mims not effective, I don't think there's a single Jet you're starting this weekend at all. Uh, Eagles at Rams. Uh, Malcolm Brown has the big game last week. Miles Sanders is likely to be back. Uh, what are you looking forward to in this particular game? Well, you have Malcolm Brown and you have Cam Akers. I think you're going to get even more even um, carries between the two of them. Um, so that's just something to keep an eye on. Miles Sanders is back. He says he's a hundred percent. I guess we will see with the amount of work that they give him because at the beginning of the year, Deuce Staley was saying that he was going to be the guy. He was going to be the workhorse and they didn't really want to bring him off the field. Uh, Miles Sanders being back is, uh, potentially good, but again, that Eagles line, I, I really don't know what to see. Um, if you have other options um, outside of, or outside of the running backs in this game, I would go with them. I'm not looking for Miles Sanders to have a huge game coming back. I know you invested in him, and so you're probably starting him, but it's not one where I'm hoping for a whole lot out of him right now because uh, I think that this game is probably going to be about the passing game. Um, if you're starting Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, fine. You know, I yep, go right ahead. Tyler Higby. After a week uh, or a poor week one, sure, I can I can definitely see it if you don't have too many other options. Um, you're definitely starting probably Dallas Goddard or Zach Hurts unless you have a, a, another option. But, like, they're both really good options this week, um, potentially moving forward. But are you starting Jalen Rager? Probably not. 
so I, this is one where I, I really don't know. It's it's it, this one could be easily be a 17-14 game. This game could be 31-28. I, I think it has so many variables. All right, Panthers at Bucks. Um, Christian McCaffrey, the lone game last year that he had that was pretty bad was against the Buccaneers. I actually think they have a much better um, starting front seven than most people do, but this is one where you're starting CMC, so don't, like, overthink it. Uh, that That's just one. But uh, especially with uh, no Chris Godwin and in a game where we expect there to be a lot of passing, particularly to prove that Tom Brady still can throw the ball at 43 without his arm falling off, um, do you expect big games for Mike Evans and Scotty Miller? Uh, if I was to pick between the two, I would say uh, Mike Evans, um, just because for that reason itself, Tom Brady, I think, has something to prove. And he wants to go to a guy that has been in big spots, big games before to help him get there. So I think Mike Evans has a really good game if uh, Chris Godwin can't go. Another guy I'm looking to have a good game, if we're going to go over to the Carolina side of the ball, DJ Moore. Um, this was this is supposed to be his year, right? Like he's the number one guy now. Um, he had his breakout year last year. This is supposed to be the year where he solidifies himself as one of the top wide receivers in the league. And he came out week one stumbling a little bit. So we'll look to see if DJ Moore has a little revenge game um, come Sunday. I think he was probably shadowed a lot last week uh, as the number one guy and trying to take him away, which is why Robbie Anderson ended up having the bigger game. I think there will be a little bit of a more balanced coverage moving forward now that Robbie Anderson's proved he can be effective in a much better passing offense. Um I don't know if I'm at the point where I'm starting Robbie Anderson if I have uh, guys that I drafted higher that I, I really want to start yet, but uh, he's a guy I'm keeping my eye on. You're definitely starting DJ Moore. I expect big things from him this week. Uh, I would definitely agree. Obviously, Mike Evans is likely to have um, a better game than Scotty Miller. I'd be a little bit surprised if uh, that ended up happening, but it doesn't look like Chris Godwin's going to be able to go. He's in the concussion protocol. The fact that he went into the concussion protocol uh, well into the week um, is not great for his potential prospects. He may actually be out not only this week, but the following week as well. Um, so that's not great there. Uh, the one question I have remaining from this is uh, Ronald Jones had a Eh, fairly effective game last week against the Saints. This is another game where he's uh, a top five tight end this week. Uh, right. I just don't think the matchup's there. Number three, this is a guy that we've talked about a lot. That he was on our recap episode. He was a feature of it. Stephon Diggs. Uh, I think he's going to get shadowed by Jalen Ramsey all week. And so if you're asking me for the Bills to throw somewhere else, I think they're going to force them to throw the ball to John Brown or Cole Beasley or Dawson Knox, but I don't think Stephon Diggs is going to have another 100-yard game. And I think his projection right now as far as his point total is going to be that uh, he's going to have another one of these big stud games. Number two, I have Josh Jacobs. Uh, this is a guy uh, we already mentioned a couple of times in the, in the show, but did not have a great efficiency rating uh, last week against the Saints. I think that that uh, Patriots front seven is a little bit unheralded uh, for what they're having to put together a little bit with paper mache. And I, I think that uh, the Raiders are going to be forced into throwing the ball a lot more when they get behind because the Patriots offense uh, looks pretty damn good right now. So I'm going to go with Josh Jacobs as my two and my number one starter to underproduce for the week, Adam Thielen. How'd that one feel? Dirty all over. 
you kind of already know my reasons why on that one, but that's that's where I'm going. I completely understand. Um, Kirk Cousin hasn't looked good, um, and like I said, they're they're running the ball. They're an old school team, and and Tennessee does not have a bad defense. No, they don't. No, they don't. So plus, I don't think that the the Vikings are going to have a lot of time of possession or be able to have a lot of plays in this particular game because the Titans are going to shorten the clock by running the football. So it's just I, one of those. I, I don't see a big week coming. One more thing. Like, are you a little frustrated with Justin, not with Justin Jefferson, but with, you got to think that you kind of expected a little bit more out of him. Uh, no, uh, any of these rookie wide receivers, I don't count on them. It's why I thought everybody overreacted to green Bay, not drafting somebody in the, the second or third round. Most receivers, uh, unless you're Odell Beckham or Larry Fitzgerald or like one of these absolute elite guys, uh, don't really produce until their second year or even third year. Devontae Adams didn't break out till his third. Julio Jones was not Julio Jones until at least his second year. I mean, he had some flashes in his rookie year, but these guys don't hit as big studs um, really going going out in their first year. I know that some of these wide receivers are a little more NFL ready and that DK Metcalf and AJ Brown had really good years. Uh, Terry McLaurin had a really good year. DJ Chark had a good year last year, but it's not something where I'm stressing out by these receivers not having great years to it, through two games, let alone if they don't have a great year to, for their entire uh, first year. I'm holding yeah. on to them from a long-term perspective we've, because we've, of the way the position plays out. We've talked about that, and, you know, I've said that exactly, but there's so many vacated targets with um, Stefan Diggs gone. You think he would have a little bit more of an impact through two games. I guess that's more of what I was asking. The Vikings haven't had the ball enough to actually, like, open up the offense. They didn't have a preseason to work him in. I'm really not—for a guy that's adjusting to the NFL, I'm not— worried about where he is and even if i were i'm still holding on to him through next year anyway so i'm i'm not it's really not even a question in my mind um all right so let's get to my outperforming projections my yay list uh number 10 cd lamb i think this is a big cd lamb game uh i think the cowboys are going to end up throwing the ball a lot uh, michael gallup has gone down in targets in fact i'm getting a little worried with where he's at, given uh, all of the preseason hype by certain experts, um, particularly Matt Berry over at uh, ESPN, who is all over the Michael Gallup tree. But the two highest targets on the Cowboys so far have been Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb. CeeDee Lamb had a really great fourth quarter last week. Um, The Cowboys also threw the ball a lot to their backup tight end uh, after Blake Jarwin goes out for the season in week one. So I look for him against a bad Seattle defense that gives up a ton of points um, to have a really great week. Number nine, Hunter Henry. Uh, I think this guy is just waiting for that big breakout game. He's steadily had um, double-digit fantasy point weeks for the first couple of weeks um, in a game where the Panthers' defense is not very good. Uh, I think Justin Herbert or Tyrod Taylor, whoever is going to end up playing, uh, ends up making him a focal point of this particular game. And even though they've run the ball a lot, I look for him to possibly get in the end zone this week and uh, justify this uh, place on my rankings. Number eight, I have Dak Prescott. Simply put, he's probably going to have a huge offensive output day. 
Um, it's a guy that I don't. I think that the projection may not be quite high enough, and I know he's projected as a top five quarterback. I think he could be by the end of the weekend the number one quarterback in fantasy for this week. Number seven, I have Allen Robinson. Uh, Chicago's going against an Atlanta defense that has given up a ton of points. Uh, I know we're relying on Mitch Trubisky to get him the ball, but come on. I, this is, should be a no-brainer. You're starting Allen Robinson against the Falcons. We said it the other day, rejoice anytime any of your players is going against the Falcons. Number six, I have Jonu Smith. If there's one guy, one pass catcher from the Titans that I really like going against a bad Minnesota defense, it's going to be Jonu Smith. I think he's the guy that ends up uh, inheriting all the points from Ryan Tannehill's play action this week, and he continues his streak as a top-five fantasy tight end who, again, was predicted by me uh, and uh, moves into the upper echelon of guys that you are kicking yourself that you didn't pick up sooner. Number five, I have Miles Sanders. I think this is a Miles Sanders game. He produced really great last week. Cincinnati has uh, allowed a ton of yards uh, on the ground to Chargers running backs week one, to Cleveland running backs week two. I think this is a game where he really produces and is a stud uh, that might be a top five fantasy running back for the week. Number four, I have Jonathan Taylor. Uh, simply put, they're going to give him the ball probably 20 to 25 times in this game with good reason, and there's really no reason not to. Um, so I, I look for him to have a, a potentially big week. Number three, I have Kenyon Drake. This one's more of a hope pick. I, I'm hoping that my preseason hype, I thought Kenyon Drake had the possibility in that offense to be a really productive player. I'm looking in a good matchup that he could set the world on fire and, um, you know, really make up for his, against his projection. He right now is a little bit low for where my tastes are at. I think he could potentially have a big week. Number two, my boy, DK Metcalf. That guy is a stud, and I think he is going to fall out against Dallas. And number one, the surprise guy who has been confirmed as the starter this week, I think he goes out and has a huge coming out party against Carolina, Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert. Boy, he looked poised, man. Like, he looked like, and that's the thing. When I'm looking at a quarterback, I want a guy that looks like he can handle it. You know what I mean? Because so much of it is just controlling the game, controlling your team, um, controlling the line of scrimmage, all of that. And he he just he's one of those guys that just looks like he can handle it. There are so many of these college quarterbacks uh, that can step right into the NFL with how the NFL is being played with the, all of the RPOs, all of the play action, everything else that's going on. I don't care if you're playing in spread offenses in college. That That's a nothing burger as far as I'm concerned in draft analysis because everybody's running spread concepts anymore. So these guys can step in and play. Joe Burrow's proving it. I think once two is fully healthy, he's going to end up starting for the Dolphins. Right now, why throw him to the Wolves? But at some point, he's going to start, and I think he's going to be good. And Justin Herbert's playing really well. And I thought he was by far the uh, worst of the three in as far as talent. So if that's what you're getting out of the third best guy in the draft, holy cow, are we in for a, a treat of young quarterbacks as we continue to move forward. I mean, you think about the the young guys that we have in Dak and Kyler Murray, 
Um, Russ is still in his early 30s. You have Lamar, you have Mahomes. All of these guys are all going to be really good, and the quarterback play is going to be off the charts for years to come. All right, I'm going to go bonus question for you. We did game of the week in the NFL, right? What is your game of the week in our fantasy league? Interesting. So I'm going to have to actually look at this one. Okay, I'll I'll go with mine first then while you look. I'll go with mine first. My game of the week in our fantasy league, and you might be a little surprised by it, is going to be Ed Winners versus Favre for Life. Ed is fighting for his first dynasty win ever. He almost had it last week, and you broke his heart. You broke his heart. Um, Favre for Life has a pretty decent squad. They didn't really show up last week. Um, But if Lamar Jackson has as big of a game as we think he's going to have, um, it could be Favre for Life's um, game to win. Um, but that's that's my game of the week. That's the, that's the intrigue that I have. It's Ed Winners going for his first win. He's a favorite so, by two points. Favorite so, by two points. So since you want to do this exercise, I'm going to ask a couple of follow-up questions to, to hone this in. Okay. Should I pick an upset of the week? That will be question number one. Um, what is the most impactful game? Or what is the game that uh, I am gleefully looking forward to? Let's let's not do impactful yet because I think it's too early in the season for that. Let's do that when it's like playoff implications and whatnot because that gets fun. That gets fun. I you have two two and O teams that are going up against each other and they're very close, and I think that actually has some potential playoff implications as it goes forward. The that's true, the- though. That's true, though, because your guys' division, your division is hard. Your division is hard as fuck. So that's a good point. Yours, yeah, go with it. Go with whatever ben, one you want to do. Ben versus Roger is the um, tale of the uh, yep. Christian McCaffrey versus Saquon Barkley's yep. out this week yep. teams. And I think that could be a potentially really good game that's underrated. I agree with your Ed game. I also think the upset of the week is LDH beating Shad Dynasty. Oh, I'm worried about it too, man. I am worried about it I, too. I think Shad Dynasty <laughs> is going to start the wrong quarterback. And like DJ Moore is going to end up proving both of us wrong and ending up having a huge game that you sat him as well as Julio Jones. And David Montgomery has the week that I'm expecting. And LDH rushes ahead. But it is not the game I am most looking forward to. The game I am most looking forward to is Dirty Carl versus Akron Pros. Both teams are pitiful right now in their 0-2 record, but I am going to make it my mission all weekend to make sure Dirty Carl inserts the actual players into his lineup, and out of some miracle, Dana will be 0-3. I don't want to be around your father for that. That's for damn sure. Oh, we should have a text thread. (laughs) It would be hilarious. (laughs) No, I'm worried about um, playing LDH this week too, and it's for it's for Dak Prescott. I think Dak could go for what he went for like a 50 burger, right, last week. Yeah, I it think was he like had close to 50. Points. Yeah, I think he could do it again. I really do. Um, so it scares me a little bit. I, I would not be surprised if LDH beats uh, Shad Dynasty this week. It, it wouldn't surprise me. All right. Uh, thank you to everyone listening. We will be back again next week to break everything down for you. Until then. See you next week, everybody.
This podcast was mixed, produced, and edited by Thomas Duncan. It is a production of Ronnie Duncan Studios. Our technical provider and distributor is Anchor FM.